Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Ball and Breakfast Podcast. I'm Patrick Miller alongside Wayne Pua. Uh, tonight, we are doing the MLB uh, early predictions here for the season, uh, where teams will end up. How about the players, managers, any rookies? We'll decide, you know, who will win, you know, those special awards at the end of the year. We'll also crown an ALCS winner, an NLCS winner, and a World Series winner as well. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to go over to the AL. We'll start in the central, uh, home of our Chicago White Sox. And uh, Wayne, I want you to just break down that division, tell us who's going to win, and uh, give us any insights on teams that you'd like. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, I mean, you know, it really comes down to basically three teams, you know, two if you kind of just trying to look at it as, as objectively as possible. But, you know, you can't really count the Royals or the Tigers uh, with respect to them, uh, just, you know, both uh, fairly young teams uh, kind of rebuilding, you know, have, have had success in previous years, but they're in this cycle, it's just not going to be their year. I say that pretty confidently, uh, but, you know, you'll, we'll, we'll definitely see some talented players, I think, especially for the Royals in their development uh, with, you know, Bobby Witt, uh, MJ Melendez, uh, Brady Singer, and Bradley Keller. I think, you know, maybe they all take a little bit of a step um, but I have them finishing uh, fourth uh, in, in this division. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the I, ha- I have the Tigers last, uh, Royals, and then I have uh, the Twins. You know, they si- re-signed Correa, so I, I definitely feel confident, I think, in that lineup of theirs. Um, and just enough pitching, I think, is, is kind of their motto there. But then, you know, uh, with the, the second – you know, this maybe I am a homer, but I have the Guardians second. Guardians second. Uh, sure, they added Josh Bell. Uh, you know, r- really good bat there, uh, and Mike Zunino, uh, a power hitting catcher. Uh, you know, I, I it's all upgrades, but for whatever reason, I guess maybe I'm just not trusting their starting pitching as much, um, or maybe I'm just very optimistic about the white the White Sox here. Um, White Sox, you know, they added Ben Attendee, uh, Ketza, Elvis Andrews there, um, have a new hitting coach and uh, Jose Castro, uh, and then Pedro Griffel as the new manager. So I'm very optimistic. I think that it'll resonate with them. Uh, the key thing, key thing, and it's always been a key thing is these past couple of seasons is health. You know, Tim Anderson missed a bunch of time. Uh, Garrett Crochet, like he missed some, he, he missed the entire season there. Uh, we'll see what happens, you know, with Mike Clevenger. It's like he hasn't been disciplined and and all that. Um, you know, they did say goodbye to Jose Abreu, but you know, Andrew Vaughn is is stepping in there, and it seems like if he can show and build off a uh, last season, you know, I, I think it's a step in the right direction there. Um, and then we'll see what happens on in the right field. Uh, you know, Oscar Colas, he's definitely been looking pretty good uh, in terms of, you know, being a potential right fielder, at least in the minor leagues in the full season. Uh, Gavin Sheets can, you know, definitely spell them. But again, if they're healthy, you know, this is a really hard team to beat. Um, hopefully then, you know, the the pitching staff uh, shows kind of like what they're able to do. And uh, hopefully uh, Lucas Giolito kind of uh, has a bounce back year. Dylan Cease, uh, I'm thinking that he'll, kind of be up there with the Cy Young uh, again this season. So, and then Michael Kopech, I'm hoping he has, you know, a full season uh, and pitching that lights out type of uh, uh, baseball that he can. So 
I'm just really uh, very excited about this season and very optimistic. You know, no more uh, sleepy uh, Tony Larusa just sitting there, uh, not really managing, having the crowd managed right uh, for him. So I'm just optimistic uh, about the season. But you know, tell me I'm wrong, Pat. Uh, I see that White Sox uh, little hoodie there for you. Tell me I'm wrong, or what do you think? Oh, man, this one was really tough for me, and I tried to be as objective as possible as I could because, you know, my heart obviously wants the White Sox to be on top here. Um, I think the thing that I wrestled with most when I was looking at the White Sox, the other teams in that division, I kind of see it as a three-team race, similar to what you said. Um, I actually have the Guardians taking a step back just because I don't think their starting pitching depth is really all that great. I think Bieber, McKenzie, and uh, Quantrill are all, you know, I would say top of the line to solid SP2, SP3 type pitchers, but I just don't know if they have enough to fall back on there. And I think, you know, as great as they played last year, I mean, you're betting on a lot of guys that I think played out of their minds last year to do that again. I just don't know if the talent is truly there. So it came down to me for the White Sox and the Twins. And, you know, when I look at the Twins, the thing I see is, number one, they, they're building on a lot of momentum coming off that offseason. I feel like, you know, they added Correa again. They added Joey Gallo. They made a big trade for Pablo Lopez from the Marlins. I mean, they did give up a rise, who I think is honestly like the Sox biggest killer. Um, but they have so much depth that's coming up from the minors and was on the team last year. There were one-year, two-year pros that are now, you know, looking to take that next step. But it's like, the difference I see between them and us is that a lot of that depth that they have on their, on their team, that's, you know, probably going to be counted on a lot on the offensive side is that they don't need them to necessarily pan out or exceed expectations for them still to win ball games. Whereas I feel like the Sox, you know, they lack a little bit of that depth. They lack a little bit of those options. If one or two guys get injured, if one or two guys don't pan out, I mean, I'm still a little nervous about, Obviously, right field seems like it's still kind of a, you know, who's going to be out there, who's going to be consistent for us. You know, Andrews, I feel a lot better about that. But what happens if, like you're saying, Tim Anderson goes down and we got to slot over Andrews? Like, who plays second base now? Um, you know, Makata, Jimenez, Robert all suffered some injuries over the last couple seasons where it's kind of like I'm just, you know, on paper, I just love our talent. But sometimes I'm like, you know, it'd be so nice if we had the kind of young, stable or even extra veterans on our bench that could just, you know, stabilize those positions when we do have injuries. Cause I just feel like that's going to happen this year. So, you know, the difference I saw also with the twins on the pitching side, you know, I look at both of our rotations. I think we have the better elite starters when you look at our top three versus their, let's call it their best three. But then after our three, I get really nervous about, you know, what, how many innings is Kopech going to give us? And, uh, you know, what's going to happen with Clevenger if he goes, you know, stadium to stadium, getting booed out of the arena or, you know, what's going to happen there if uh, any guys have setbacks, injuries? It's like, I just feel like the Twins have an extra starter or two in the stable where it's like they're almost seven. And, you know, when Chris Paddock comes back, they're going to be eight deep out of the starting rotation. Um, bullpen, I just looked at, you know, Hendricks and, you know, his whole situation with uh, with his cancer. And I mean, hopefully he comes back. But, um, you know, I felt like the bullpens were kind of a wash for both sides. And we both had pretty good bullpens. So a um, little long winded there. Um I guess I just I would I would lean very very gently with the Twins, and I hate to say it, but I just feel like they'll be the lone rep out of the AL Central in the playoffs. Well, that's that, I feel like that's a hot take. No, for sure. Uh, 
I mean, I I think I pre- I I you know predicted or whatever, but I I, I definitely saw something I think that the twins uh, last year and, you know, they were contenders, you know, uh, f- for the first part of the season, I think. Right. And they kind of just tapered off there. So um, dealing with some injuries and just some regressions in the pitching staff. So, yeah, I, I, I think that they're very solid, uh, uh, you know, team and everything. It's just, yeah, I was just gunning for the White Sox because, yeah, of their, their firepower. So, um, you know, Hey, we'll see what happens, I think, but this is definitely, you know, going to be a closer uh, call, I think, than some people are thinking, uh, just because of you know the parity and yeah, you know, some players maybe maybe the White Sox do regress. That would be something, right? So hopefully that doesn't happen for our sake. Uh, but you know, uh, I yeah, I think it's just a consensus. It's a it's a three team race, uh, and we'll just see you know which uh, which teams kind of come out ahead uh, from from these three teams. So yeah. For sure. And just so I know, did you have just the White Sox as a as a playoff rep from the Yale Central? Yeah, I had uh, the White Sox and then also the Guardians. So, yeah. Gotcha. Um, how about the AL East? AL East, man. So uh, Red Sox, you know, they lost some talent there with uh, Xander Bogarts. Uh, so, you know, I, I really don't think that uh, even though they, they, they did add a uh, – a rookie there uh, from Japan, uh, Masataka Yoshida. Uh, I don't think that's enough uh, for them. So, and this is honestly a really tough division now. So, in the Orioles have been emerging there. Rays, they're very much kind of that money ball <laughs> to the extreme uh, in the in the East side. So, um, and I think that they might have a bounce back year since uh, uh, Wander Franco and then also Brandon Lowe are healthy again. So. If they can get full seasons from those two, uh, and you know everybody else is relatively healthy as well, then I think the Rays could bounce back a little bit. You know, kind of, you know, I, I think they won like eighty some on uh, mid eighties or won like 85, 86 games. I think this previous season, so you know they could potentially then with those two, you know, be in the ninety win uh, 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 scenario again. So that's where I see the Rays potentially. Um, Orioles. Uh, you know, definitely have the young talent showed some this previous season. And I know they're adding in, uh, again, another potential rookie of the year candidate. I just don't think that they have uh, enough talent uh, to con- to contend with some of the other teams there. Um, so, yeah, I have the Rays finishing, you know, third there. And then Yankees and Blue Jays. Oh, this is a tough one for me. Um, I had... Uh, you know, the Yankees, they added, uh, Carlos Rodon, uh, which, I mean, I think he's a solid starter for sure. Uh, he just hasn't really pitched like a complete, like full season. It feels like, uh, he's always had some issues here and there with with his health, but when he does pitch, you know, lights out. So, uh, that's where I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant there. Uh, the rest of the, the pitching staff though, if they can continue on what they had this previous season, you know, with, uh, uh, Luis Severino, if he's able to pitch a full season, great. Um, and, but, you know, there's just certainly a lot of question marks there. It's definitely that they're kind of leaning on the young talent uh, on top of obviously having like Anthony Rizzo uh, and Aaron Judge, you know, the MVP. So if it's kind of, the, the, it seems like they're trying to balance this. You're trying to have those solid veterans, but then also uh, kind of nurture the the, the young, uh, young, young talent that they have too on their, uh, you know, Os- Oswald Peraza and then uh, Oswaldo Cabrera as well. 
know, I think those are some positional players that they maybe want to integrate into the lineup a little bit more. So um, with all that said, you know, yeah, they have a great pitching staff uh, if they can stay healthy, but uh, I have the Yankees finishing second here. And then, and then the Blue Jays as uh, uh, taking the division, uh, the, the AL East here. So, uh, you know, they lost uh, to Oscar, but at the same time, they did add add uh, Dalton Varsho, uh, and then also Kevin uh, Kiermaier, his defense. You know, I think that's something that they really needed out there in the outfield. So, uh, and then pitching wise, adding in Chris Bassett as well. I mean, he's a very kind of he's been dependable, I, I would say, uh, with like a you know three point five ish ERA. Um, and then you know mid season adding in. Uh, uh, Ryu in there, I think that can be, you know, a little bit of a game changer if he can kind of, you know, get that like, you know, maybe three high three, you know, 3.8 ERA or something like that, uh, have some quality starts in there. I think that's good enough for them in that offense. So, you know, adding in solid years from like Gosman, Manoa, uh, you know, a little bit of a bounce back from, uh, Boreos. I think all that stuff, uh, can happen, uh, for this season. So I have, yeah, the Blue Jays, with that uh, killer offense with Bichette and uh, uh, Guerrero, like I, I feel like that they're they have the strongest lineup, uh, and they they've been adding on to um, the pitching staff there, and you know a decent bullpen too. So, yeah. But what are your thoughts, Pat, uh, on my pick there? Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to debate with you on as far as how you kind of went about the standings. I think I have just the Yankees in first, Blue Jays in second, but I don't see either team being, you know, a lot better than the other. I think they're both kind of in the same camp. They have you really top head, you know, top heavy and uh, you know, you know, deep rotations, uh, you know, pitchers that I think most teams would love to have on, you know, their their stables to kind of, you know, build their way into the playoffs. So I think they have playoff rotations, each of them. They have a ton of hitting on both sides. The Yankees are probably a little bit younger uh, in that department just with their depth. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what, you know, those younger guys, Oswald, you know, Peraza, Anthony Volpe may be able to bring. Oswaldo Cabrera was up last year. Um, you have Scott Judge and, you know, kind of Stanton as those big boppers. But uh, the Blue Jays, the only reason why I might have put them a little bit below is because they did make some trades. I mean, they got rid of – their young prospect catcher and Gabriel Moreno, um, as well as Lourdes Gurriel in left field. Um, they bring in Varsho, they bring in Kiermaier. I mean, the only knocks on these guys is you know, potentially what do they bring on the offensive side? I think that Varsho, you know, showed out last year with his speed. He had, you know, decent amount of uh, OBP potential, but I heard, you know, he's, he's pretty vulnerable against lefties. So it's kind of like, does Varsho become some sort of platoon player or, you know, just really underperform against, you know, some top lefties like uh, Nestor Cortez or uh, Carlos Rodon. So um, maybe that's where I give them the slight dip, but it's, you know, it's hard to say that because the Blue Jays just have so much depth too. You know, they've got Kevin Biggio off the bench and perhaps Whit Merrifield or Santiago Espinal. So it's kind of like they can plug in their holes however they pretty much want to over the year. And I mean, I think that's the name of the game for, you know, riding out a full 162 game schedule. You got to have depth in a lot of different areas and, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, the Rays are always competitive. They'll always be in the mix. Um, you know, the Glass now injury up front is not pretty for them. I mean, I think they were counting on him to be their number two, and he'll be out at least two months. And then uh, I'm with you on the O's. I like what they did last year. They've got some really good, you know, young positional players that are coming up and kind of building their own consistency. You know, Grayson Rodriguez coming up from the minors this year, hopefully. Um, 
will make that, you know, rotation a lot, you know, more solid over the years to come. But I think, you know, I think they out, uh, you know, performed their expectations last year. And I think, you know, maybe they're still like a high 70 win type team. And, uh, you know, the Red Sox, they've got a lot of question marks and, uh, just kind of sad to see that franchise fall from what it once was as far as being like a free agency powerhouse and, uh, you know, kind of a, a threat in the AL East year in, year out. And now they're kind of like becoming the the discount darlings and trying to find their way, you know, <laughs> in a victory to every deal. And it's like, if you're going to the year with sale is like the guy you're counting on to be your ace. Like he's just let you get, you know, let you down too many years in a row. So, uh, you know, good luck to them, but I, I definitely see them in last place. Yeah. I, I, I it, it, baseball is always better when the Yankees and Red Sox are just, you know, uh, getting into fights, clobbering each other and then yeah, being competitive. So, um, but yeah, it's just so many changes, I think for the Red Sox, uh, this season, at least in terms of like for negative, uh, negative wins, essentially, you know, again, losing Xander Bogarts, you, know, who knows what's going to happen with sale, um, might be, I don't know, a potential trade candidate who knows exactly. So, uh, if he's healthy, right. Um, a lot of question marks, I, I think with, uh, them right now, but you know, Hey, the same thing happened with the Yankees uh, a couple years, uh, uh, before. So, you know. baseball is all about cyclicals now so um yeah but uh yeah i I think this division you know the yankees are definitely gonna be contenders here for sure um the rest are kind of up and down here so but yeah i i look i think we're both kind of in agreement that the rays might have a bounce back year here uh and then yeah we'll see about the blue jays there but um yeah always appreciate your honest takes uh pat for sure (laughs) and just so i know how many how many playoff teams do you have coming out of the al east yeah, so I'm trying to do math here now. So I think I had the Rays, uh, you know, getting like 90 some odd wins there. I think Yankees too. Well, we'll get that, uh, and then the Blue Jays as well, you know. And I had uh, both uh, the Guardians and the White Sox. So that's five out of the six teams, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah. So I, I have the Rays, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays uh, going to the playoffs out of the East. Gotcha. For the AL West. Yeah. Man, AL West. Uh, I mean, this is definitely a fun one. I think it's been interesting. I think, you know, the A's are the A's. It's like, they're kind of been seen now as like the triple A of, uh, of the MLB right now. So, um, yeah, not too much movement there. You know, they lost, uh, was it Murphy and, and things like that. So, yeah, they're last. Um, Rangers, they spent. They spent money. Uh, that's what they're really good at. So, uh you know, maybe they'll have a little bit of an uptick in terms of wins. Who knows what happens with uh, Jacob Degrom? Uh, if you get a full season from him, uh, there's you know Yovaldi as well, um, and yeah, maybe some of their young talent does progress here and there. Maybe they do have uh, you know uh, upgrade in terms of wins uh, in the win column. So hey, maybe they do have a little bit of a better year. That pitching staff that they bought uh, could potentially be you know a good. Uh, rotation again if they're all healthy i think is the biggest thing there and that's a big if there um and then you know you have the angels added uh hunter renfro brandon drury uh geo urshela like so some quality help there um who knows if anthony redown is going to be healthy exactly um that's kind of a big you know question mark there because when he is healthy you know that's that that lineup can be very deadly again with those additions that they just uh, put put together there. So, um, but yeah, I have them 
uh, third there. Uh, and then, you know, there's the Mariners, right? Um, the Mariners didn't, I mean, they had pluses and minuses, I think, in this offseason. Uh, lost uh, Mitch Hanniger, uh, Jesse Winker. I mean, he didn't really have that great of a season, but, you know, he's he's definitely seen as kind of a, a talented uh, player there. Uh, just didn't have a good season. Uh, sign uh, was it Cole Cahoon, AG Pollock, but they did trade for uh, Teoscar Hernandez. So, you know, some pluses and minuses there. Um, but, you know, I, I do have questions about, you know, if, if they have, I guess, you know, maybe for lack of a better term, like kind of that mojo to kind of push forward and an upgrade from what they had last year. Um, that's where I just have some hesitations there. Uh, uh, so I have them, uh, still finishing second, but I don't know if they'll actually upgrade in terms of their wins. So I actually have them missing the playoffs here uh, with those three teams in the AL East, uh, you know, upgrading in terms of, I guess, their all wins or just their their play. So, and then I have the Astros, you know, um, as kind of probably the heavy favorites to win this division. Um, yeah, they lost Justin Verlander, but, uh, and they also added Jose Abreu at first, uh, or DH, you know, we'll see how that all goes. But, um, you know, I see them maybe digressing a little bit, but, you know, from, was it 105, 106 wins last year? Uh, I see maybe, you know, mid nineties, maybe high nineties. We'll see uh, kind of there. So uh, again, losing Justin Verlander. Yes. They have one of the best pitching squads out there uh, still, but yeah, I, you know, having that Justin Verlander, I think is, you know, really kind of puts them over the edge. Um, I mean, that's what they had last year. So, uh, but I have them finishing first, winning the division, uh, but taking a slight, I guess, decrease uh, in terms of in, in the win column here. So, but Pat, what is your take? I agree with you on on standings for that division. I rank them the exact same. Um, the only difference is I have three teams representing the AL West in the playoffs. So I, I'm actually getting the Mariners in. I I love their pitching uh, from their starting rotation through their relief core. I just think they have maybe one of the best stables of pitchers, you know, starter reliever combined, I think in the game. Um, I agree with you. I think there's a little bit more to be desired for on the offensive side of things. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez is coming off a down year. So expectations is it'll, you know, turn around and be that three, you know, 30 home run, hundred RBI guy. But he could also be the same guy who batted, you know, low 200 last year. He kind of came up short and, you know, was on the block. So it's tough. I don't like Eugenio Suarez very much. He was a huge producer for them last year at third base. He's the kind of guy who will be lucky to bat 200, but put up, you know, maybe 30 home runs. Um, I love Julio. I love Ty France. I think those guys are are studs. But again, there's there's some holes, I'd say, throughout their lineup and in their depth where, you know, if AJ Pollock is plugging the hole for Jesse Winker, we had Pollock last year and it was like, there was a lot to be desired for there. So that's my only knock on the Mariners. Um, the angels so hard to trust. I feel like, you know, I fall in love with their roster year in, year out. I think the difference for me this year is, you know, them going out, grabbing an extra starter in Tyler Anderson. Um, they've got about six guys and they're starting, you know, pitching staff that, you know, can hold them up throughout the year. I love Otani and Sandoval at top. And then, you know, with the batting uh, lineup, the thing I like is that, you know, year in, year out, at least over the last few, we've seen Rendon and Trout be out for, you know, large parts of the last season. I think going out and getting Renfro and going out and getting Urshela just to be, 
you know, in the mix, they're going to get innings, they're going to get at bats, but it's like, if those two guys happen to go down, you've got some depth there. And in the past, I don't think they always kind of prepared for those, you know, issues. So it was very tough for me to pick like one of the last wild cards. So I was up, <laughs> up in debate about the White Sox, the Rays and the Angels. And I'm just going to give you know, the Angels a slight bump here just because of, you know, them coming up short in years past. I think this time, like they have to, they have to like kind of push forward and get in. And uh, I agree with you on the Astros. I think the thing I'm seeing is you lose Verlander. That's just such, that is such a big minus that's being overlooked. Um, and McCullers is not necessarily healthy. So that starting pitching depth that you enjoyed last year with just a solid, you know, rotation top to bottom, it's like now there are some holes and guys like Hunter Brown and others, you know, will have to step up to kind of fill in those, uh, you know, innings lost and, uh, Love the lineup. Uh, it is so strong, but I think that's going to be the one thing they have to uh, fall back on, on, you know, this entire year. And uh, the only concern I have with the lineup, uh, although I haven't been first place for the division is Jordan's coming in with a hand injury. So if that thing lingers, I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge loss if he's down for any sort of time for them. Yeah, for sure. Cause he was like, or our, our, I think we were both talking about him as an MVP last season. Right. So he was playing lights out uh, for the Astros there. So, yeah, if he misses time, yeah, great. You have a Abreu, but still you have, like, the you know, their MVP of last year. Uh, and, you know, the playoffs, he was just killing it too. So um, very much a, a powerful bet there. But, man, how about that? Like, you know, I picked one team out of the AOS, but you picked three. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see. I agree with you, though, on the Mariners, that pitching squad. Uh, you know, it's one of the best, I think, in baseball um for me though it's just the other bats for whatever reason the mariners whenever they bring people in there uh they don't hit too well apparently so i think for me it's just like yeah maybe they don't um uh they don't perform up to their potential there and that's where i see maybe the yeah the, they don't get as many runs there but um yeah i do like your take i guess on the angels there uh it is nice at the end of the depth because yeah they always seem like that they were ill prepared for all that so who knows what happens i think uh you know if any of if Rendon is healthy, though, I think that's the biggest thing. If he's healthy, you know, if if they're all healthy, great. If they're not, hey, we just have a bunch more depth that, you know, we can uh, fill in here and there. Um, so, but yeah, uh, we'll see. This is what we uh, like to do, predict and see what happens. Uh, and yeah, uh, if one of these teams, uh, if the Rays get in, I'll be excited and I'll laugh at you. But we'll see. Uh, I think it'll be, it's all for fun now. So, yeah. For sure. Um, moving over to the NL, we'll start with the central like we did with the AL. But um, I guess, you know, first off, I look at the Cardinals being the cream of that division. It's going to be a tight race, I think, with the Brewers. And I've got to give some respect to the Cubs. Um, not a lot, but I'll give them some respect in this conversation just because they did a lot of upgrading. And although all pieces may not be super sexy, I think that in aggregate, it's it's a pretty interesting roster now. Um but I picked the Cardinals because day in, day out, they've got the strongest offense in my mind in that division. I mean, if you got Goldschmidt, Arenado, you know, guys like Newt Barr and, uh, you know, perhaps Jordan Walker joining the squad. Uh, Edmund was a stud last year, even though as quiet as war was, obviously we covered it, uh, you know, top five or what have you. So it's like, I just like what they, what they have there uh, day in, day out on the field. Um, good starting pitching rotation. We know Wainwright's kind of in his twilight years, but still think can give them good innings and uh, Montgomery and Michaelis are backing him up. 
Um, I like the relieving uh, core, a lot of fireballers with uh, Ryan Helsley, a closer and, uh, you know, Jordan Hicks. Um, I think they'll be, I think they'll be solid. Um, the Brewers competitive. They're kind of like the rays of the NL. I feel like they just always are shipping off guys who are becoming free agents to get more young, you know, young core, uh, you know, pieces to, to kind of grow with until they reach their contract years and they trade them off for more assets and stuff. So it's like, I love what's up top for their rotation with uh, Corbin Burns, Woodruff. Um, you know, Eric Lauer was a breakout last year and they've got Freddie Peralta still there. Um, I think they go about six deep in their rotation, which is, you know, good for them. I think where things kind of get a little bit murky for the Brewers is just their offense. I feel like they're always uh, kind of interchanging a lot of pieces and they're, you know, banking on these, you know, two for one trades to kind of get them you know, sufficient enough with the sticks to, you know, put runs together. But uh, Christian Yellick, um, I'm not really sure what he is anymore. I feel like he was obviously their franchise guy for a while, but now it's kind of turning into, you know, Willie Adamas or, you know, uh, Luis uh, Urias or, you know, Rowdy Telez. So it's kind of like, are these household names or are these just guys, you know, are good enough? And uh, I think Garrett Mitchell, their new center fielder, um, rookie last year, had a really good end of the year. If, if he can be kind of a, a fixture in that lineup, be a breakout like a Stephen Kwan or something from the, you know, the guardians. I think that would be a huge thing for the brewers, but I think you're just counting on too many good things happening for them, for them to be, let's say the best team in the division. Uh, the cubbies, you know, we never want to give them too much uh, credit here. Um, you know, the Swanson signing, I thought was a little bit steep for, for what he is as a talent, but he's still a really good shortstop. He's a good player. You know, they bring over Bellinger, Mancini, Hosmer, um, you know, I think those are three veteran sticks you can just plug into the lineup. They do lose Wilson Contreras. Um, that's a big loss um, for them, honestly. I don't know, you know, who's going to fulfill that kind of production. But, you know, with Hap Suzuki, um, you know, Nico Horner had a good year last year. It's kind of like, you know, they have a good team. They have a good offense. You know, I think that's, that's solid enough. Um, you know, the thing I like about them is when you look at their starting rotation, although they have a lot of starting pitcher two types, SP three types. It's not really like they have those lockdown starters. They do have like eight guys that can start and start, you know, meaningful games, be quality start type pitchers. And it's like over the course of the year, teams have injuries, you know, some of the top pitchers go down. It's just nice to have some of that cushion. I just feel like the Cubs did a good job at like bolstering the rotation with Jameson Tyon. Um, do I think it's enough? Uh, no, but I do think that they'll have, you know, a respectable year, even if they're, you know, dancing around 500, I think they will be, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, relevant, but uh, pirates, Ritz and reds. I don't have a lot of good to say about either squads. I think these are teams on the rebuild on the mend. I mean, for the reds, I like Hunter green and Nick Lodolo as two young starters with some serious uh, firepower strikeout potential. I think Lodolo is the better of the two, as far as just being a pure pitcher, the Pirates, the rotation is is god awful, but um, there are some exciting pieces around the diamond to be, you know, interested in. You know, an O'Neill Cruz or a you know, Cabrian Hayes, uh, Brian Reynolds if he sticks around doesn't want to trade. But uh, that's my thought for the NL Central. So I got the Cardinals, um, you know, winning the division. And I actually have the Brewers um, being the last wild card uh, from the NL. Nice. Yeah, I mean, not too much to add, honestly. I, I feel like I agree on a lot of those. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, they're, 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 they're my pick basically, you know, I think maybe Jack Flaherty, I think maybe he comes back and 
you know, emerges a little bit more, uh, hopefully starts like, you know, more than 15 games this season. But even then, they're, they're, their pitching is still pretty solid overall. Um, and then, like you mentioned, they're hitting. that They're they're pretty much a, you know, a, a pretty de- like complete team in a way in that sense. So, uh, yeah, I love the Cardinals. Uh, hard to say if there is any other team that can contend against them. But, yeah, the Brewers, they have one of the best pitching staffs out there. So, you know, if they can uh, – manufacture enough hits and runs there uh then who knows but um yeah the cubs you know they added a they spent some money and if cody bellinger can uh you know come back to the mvp form you know we'll see but that's you know kind of what uh, i guess maybe the cubs are banking on uh but yeah i agree you know and you know, we don't have to talk about the the reds <laughs> uh or the pirates there you know <laughs> similar situation uh, as like the um, the Royals, you know, in the in the AL Central there, um, you know, and maybe a little bit of the 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 Tigers, uh, but yeah, I definitely see like young talented teams just trying to you know uh, kind of gut their young talent marinate. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely 100% agree. I think the Cardinals they just had the most uh, complete team I think in this uh, division, and I think they'll take it. I don't, yeah, who knows about the Brewers, I, I haven't gone that far in my predictions if they'll make it, but uh, I do love their pitching staff. I think it's one of the best in baseball. So, yeah. I mean, and the Cardinals stole Wilson Contreras from the Cubs. I mean, I feel like that's been like the biggest laughing point all season or, you know, the off season wise, but it's like Wilson's been an absolute savage too about pretty much every stop along this way. Like he was like really happy to to kind of sign and then he's kind of made that known and I mean, he he kind of said during spring training, like this is just a world of like a better organization, a world class organization. <laughs> so it's just like, damn, dude, like you are really ruining your, you know. Um, I mean, I figured like a statue was coming around Wrigley, you know, Wrigley Field. <laughs> so you're really starting to like, <laughs> you know, turn up the screws a little bit. Like something must have happened uh, in the clubhouse with that one, or with the executive team, or something like that in negotiations. But uh, that's just a huge like. How would I put it? Like that's a F you. <laughs> it, it's, it's an F you. I feel like the point uh, I was going to say is like, that's such a backbreaker to start the year. You know, if you're like heart and soul, your catcher, like just switched up, went to the rival and is like on the better team now, like that's a huge advantage that the Cardinals have now just from, from stealing them from the Cubs. Yeah. I like, I like how you're like, what, who did he hug? He hugged somebody. Like, I think they were both about to leave and everything. Like all the cup fans were being so emotional. I was like, Oh, this is his last time. And then all of a sudden he goes to the car. I was like, what, what are you going to go to those guys for? So yeah. Man. Yeah. I love it though. I love it. <laughs> yeah. There's gotta be like rules like that. I feel like, you know, like Jacoby Ellsbury going to the Yankees or Johnny Damon <laughs> doing the same. It's just like, you spend so much time with one organization, like, I just feel like, wouldn't you, would you want to do that? <laughs> like, would that be the first team you decide to go to? But, you know, I'm not in these guys' heads or, you know, those are their decisions, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if it's just like, they just want to stay like in the same area or something. Maybe that's it. Like, you know, they have a, they bought a house or something in, you know, Boston or something like that, but, you know, they don't want to go all the way out West. So maybe they just go to New York and Hey, who wants, you know, they want to be with a contender too. So maybe, maybe that, maybe that is a thought process. I don't know, but no, it is kind of funny though. Uh, Contreras just moving over saying, Hey, I'll join, you know, Yadier is not there anymore now, right? Since he retired. So let me just join the Cardinals and 
man, that's such a talented team now, I think. Uh, I think, yeah, their uh, lineup is, my, yeah, like an upgrade, I think, compared to what they were last season. So um, with him there. So, yeah, it'll definitely be, I think, uh, a fun division to watch. For sure. Um, did you have just the Cardinals then, or did you have any other teams that you think would be in the playoffs? I mean, I know for sure the Cardinals. Uh, not too sure about the Brewers, uh, to be honest. Again, I, I like their pitching staff. Um, you know, I'm trying to think if uh, if I want to pick them as that one, you know, the the in, in terms of just having one or not. Uh, possibly, honestly, uh, I think, you know, we, you, you can get to it later, but I know the, e, the East is stacked. And the West, you know, they have some pretty good teams there too. So, um, yeah, I might just stick with uh, that one uh, one team out of the Central there. Sounds good. Um, for the NL East, um, yeah, this is going to be a tight race up top, I think. I think there's two teams that I'm really looking at, but it's the the Mets and the Braves, and I have them one, two in that order. Um, that's, they brought over Verlander. They brought over Quintana, Senga. They brought over... Just so many different names, you know, like I, I feel like the starting pitching staff, number one, goes seven deep. So even if you have a Verlander injury, a Scherzer injury, whatever else, you got some padding there. You know, they they retooled, reloaded that entire bullpen. So they brought back, you know, Diaz and Adovino. Um, They brought on others. I know there's other good relievers that are part of that stable um, right now. But it's just like, you know, I think David Robertson came over um, too. But it's it's just like we talk about this you know, depth and what you need to get through an entire season. Like they just have it. And then they also have star power too. So it's like, they've got Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, Lindor, uh, Brandon Nimmo comes back, Um, you know, and they just have class veterans. They got Starling Marte and Mark Canna and Eduardo Escobar. And, you know, they also have some youth. They got Batty and they've got Alvarez too behind the dish. So it's kind of like, they just got exactly what you need to like, not only build the foundation for, you know, a championship run this year, but also like kind of have some depth and some young talent to like look forward with um, when some of these guys, you know, end their careers or whatever else. I just think they're in a great position. And uh, obviously their owner, Steve Cohn, just spent like everything he possibly had free that was uh, liquid in his accounts and uh, went after it. But um, the Braves are right there. I, I felt like this was a really tough call for me because, I like the Braves and I love their top three now in their rotation with uh freed. They've got Kyle Wright. I mean, they've also got um, Charlie Morton, but uh, Spencer Strider is one of the guys that's, you know, really come on the scene as far as, um, you know, just his strikeout dominance. Um, I think he had like 130 innings logged last year with over 200 strikeouts was completely locked down for them, but I just like what they do. I just don't know if they have enough depth in case there's an injury in the rotation. I think that's the only knock I had on the Braves but um you look at their lineup and it's like while I don't think they have as deep of a lineup as the Mets I think their top six seven are superior I think they have like a very top heavy type of club like they're similar to the Astros in that sense where it's like their six to seven first six to seven batters are going to be all-star caliber batters but then beyond that I worry about like what happens if Acuna goes down or Albies goes down again? Like who who's there to back them up? So it's my only knock on the Braves, to be honest with you, because I think they're a really good team. Um, this third, fourth decision was pretty tough for me too. Um, I've got the Phillies and then the Marlins. Um, 
kind of a head scratcher because like the Phillies just went to the World Series, but without Bryce until summertime, I think that's going to be way bigger of a loss than I think most are anticipating. Um, you know, they bring over Trey Turner. They've got the same squad coming back, so it's not like they missed a huge beat there. Um, but you know, they they might have a little bit of a hangover, similar to our uh, you know teams in football that we discussed last year. It's just like you get to that mountaintop and you lose um, and you've already endured all that pain. You've gone through an extra month of, of baseball, you know, for some of their pitchers, like a Wheeler or Nolo pitched deep into the year last year, Suarez even it's like how much energy, how much, you know, stamina will they have throughout the year to kind of continue the chase? Um, maybe they come out with a lot of motivation that helps them, but I just feel like they're going to be a little light on the production side. Um, although they have a pretty good offense, but yeah, I worry about some of their starters and what happens if a guy, you know, has an injury or goes down. So that's like kind of the one thing I I worry about. The Marlins, I love their pitching staff. I've I've been saying this for two three years. They're so deep with young starters. I mean, Sandy Alcantara was Cy Young last year for the NL. Um, they've got Luzardo there. They stole Johnny Cueto from us. They've got you know Eduardo Cabrera and Trevor Rogers. Like they just go deep with really young guys. Even a Braxton Garrett's pretty you know interesting, but. On the offensive side of things without, you know, with exception to Jazz Chisholm and Luisa Rise, it's like you look position by position, you're just like, what are you going to give me this year? And like, are, is there going to be any power on this team, like consistent power? I mean, I like Soler and Avisel Garcia in terms of like their upside for power, but are they going to be consistently good enough to give you 30 home runs, 40 home runs? Like, I don't think so. So they might be a little light in the hitting department, but I think their pitching will keep them maybe as like a 70 plus win baseball team. And then you got the Nats in in last place. I mean, sorry to everybody in DC around me, but it's just like outside of like Abrams, CJ Abrams at short and uh, Mackenzie Gore at the end of the rotation. I just, there's nothing else to really get excited about with this team. I mean, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, like they're going to maybe get some innings out this year, but like, that's that's the two guys anchoring your rotation and they're just injury prone you know underperforming at their ages now it's just like they're kind of shells of their former selves so i mean the nats are firmly in last place for me but we got the mets in first obviously in the in the division i've got the braves going to the wild card yeah uh i think that's a solid take uh you know this is definitely my my opinion is definitely like one of the deeper uh divisions i would think you know with in terms of you know, kind of being kind of top heavy there with the the braves um you know having that that rotation and then that young talent that they still have it feels like they haven't aged but they're still young and still striving uh there so um so i i definitely see them yeah at least at least the wild card i in, in that division there um but yeah i do like your take with the mets that team just is loaded. <laughs> so, uh, and they were, they, what, won 100 some odd games last season, too. So it's like, how much better can they get from where they were last year compared to, you know, if they have a better pitching staff, roster, et cetera, than they did last year? So I'm, I'm excited, I guess, or if I, I would be excited if I was a Mets fan, but I would, I'm just, I guess, excited as a baseball fan there. So, um, but, yeah, it's interesting though. I do like your take too about the about uh, the Miami uh, Marlins because um, there is some young uh, talent there 
uh, and they just so happen to be going against one of the tougher divisions out there. So I think that's just the the whole ordeal over there. But um, and I, I would love to see Jazz in the South Side, but I, I, there's a lot of been, been a lot of memes I think like that popping around. But um, I don't know that if that's ever going to come to fruition there. But um, I do think that the Phillies. Uh, I mean, yeah, without Bryce, he's such a big uh, component towards that offense. Uh, even yeah, they you know they signed Trey Turner and all that, but at the same time, like Bryce is Bryce; he's a difference maker. So, um, yeah, maybe they'll you know get some wins here and there, but yeah, maybe not compared to what they were doing uh, you know postseason last season. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a so solid overall take um, on those. Uh, yeah, for, for those teams there. So, um, it, yeah, I think I have the uh, the Mets. Um, and then the Braves uh, moving forth uh, in in this division, um, and then yeah, I'll I'll take the Phillies. I think the Phillies will actually uh, get there. Um, yeah, I, I think that they'll try to build off of last season, but obviously without Bryce Harper, uh, just not going to happen uh, immediately. So, gotcha, uh, gotcha. Um, for the NL West, uh, you know, this year I think there's just you know, flip flop of, of two of the teams that have been near the top in that division for the last couple of years, but I've got it going Padres Dodgers up top this year, Padres, you know, they return the majority of their team. You know, they've added, you know, uh, Fernando Tatis coming back from injury. I think that's going to be a huge boost about three weeks into the season. So he'll, he'll fulfill his suspension there and then he'll, he'll come right back out onto the field. But you know, kind of like Laka Machado uh, on a long-term deal. You know, you bring over Xander Bogarts, which is just like another perennial all-star. And then you have uh, Juan Soto there from last year now, kind of comfortable in his spot. He's at home now. You know, you look all throughout that offense. It's just, it's MVP candidates. It's not even like all-stars. It's like legitimately, you have three MVP candidates Xander Bogarts is a, you know, year in, year out all-star. Jake Cronenworth is a really good baseball player. Um, just really like what they have, you know, first off on the hitting side. Their pitching depth is is really solid too. They brought in a lot of fourth, fifth type starters at the end of the rotation with um, Seth Lugo. Um, I know they got Nick Martinez still back there, um, but they've got Snell, Darvish, Musgrove. Um, you know, I think they have Cole Hamels on a rookie deal too, but it's just kind of it's kind of nice for them to just, you know, like the Mets, just have a lot of depth in the areas you need them to get through the year. I feel like they just have so much star power, um, you know, to get them through that I have no concerns about the Padres going into the year and, you know, getting into the playoffs comfortably. Um, the Dodgers, I just have them down a bit just because they've lost, you know, Trey Turner, you know, Justin Turner. Um, they lost Gavin Lux for the year with a torn ACL in spring training. Um, you know, Cody Bellinger, not that, you know, he had a great year last year. It was actually pretty bad, but it's just kind of like a lot of that heart and soul that was on the, you know, the World Series team is starting to go. And uh, in a way, they've kind of, you know, retooled a little bit in this offseason just to like have them be competitive, but they didn't really go out and shell out a lot of money to to retain players. I think everybody kind of knows they have Shohei Otani in their sights for next offseason and uh probably a good chance that they land them, but it's just, I think for this year, that's kind of like that bridge year while, you know, Walker Bueller uh, returns from, you know, his injury, um, you know, the rotation, 
You got Kershaw there, Urias, uh, Gonsolin. They brought over Cindergard, who I'm not like really big on, but it's a lot of what ifs. I think toward the end of the rotation, they always seem to like manufacture good starters, which is you know just what they're good at. And I I love their bullpen, but uh, I have them comfortably in second and making the playoffs. I just I think they'll take a step back. Um, in third, I have the Diamondbacks. I think him is exciting. They've got a lot of young hitting coming up. Uh, Jake McCarthy, Corbin Carroll. Um, you know, Alec Thomas from, from Chicago is, you know, in their outfield mix as well. Um, you know, they, they signed Longoria, uh, they returned Christian Walker who had a lot of home runs last year and they made a pretty big deal with the blue Jays, get rid of our show and bring over uh Lourdes Goriel for left and Moreno at catcher, like we already mentioned, but you know, Carson Kelly is also behind the dish. I just feel like they have a really solid offense. Um, I love their top two in the rotation with Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly, um, they're probably a little bit thin toward the end of the rotation, which is probably a knock on them. But I just see it as like they've made additions and they're kind of moving their way forward in their progression instead of taking like a step back or two. So I just like the momentum that comes into this season for them. It's another, you know, kind of like a growth year for them. Um, the Giants I have in fourth place. I like the rotation one to six. I think Logan Webb is good. And they have five other capable starters that kind of fill out the rest of their rotation. Um, you know, they're, they're padded there, which is nicer than that'll keep them in ball games. But you look around their lineup, you know, not to get an Aaron judge or a Carlos Correa, not that that was the answer to everything, but it was like such a, uh, again, a backbreaker for them to just not go out and, uh, you know, pull in some new star power for that team because you look all around and it's like, the guys that they actually did land, like a Michael Conforto and a, you know, Mitch Haniger, like I like the talents there. They just haven't been on the field as much. So it's like, it just gets hard for me to look at them and say, you know, this team's going to be able to produce, you know, across the board every single game. I just feel like this is a, a team that'll play very low scoring games throughout the year. And I just don't think there'll be enough to, you know, get them over the hump in that sense. And then finally I got the Rockies. Um, I just don't think they did really anything to improve their chances. I don't see a lot of young talent coming up in their system. That's really exciting. I know Ezekiel Tovar is taking shortstop, which I've heard good things about, Um, you know, Chris Bryant's coming back from injury in left field. Like we'll see if he puts together, you know, a good campaign in Colorado after being injured last year. It's like, I don't know. I I feel like they never really want to fully turn the page. They've got, you know, Charlie Blackman still, you know, on their like out in their outfield playing some DH. They got CJ Cron. It's like they're not really like they've got enough guys, but they just have a collection of guys. Not really like they have a strategy there. So I just don't see them having enough to to really compete at all this year. Those are great takes. Uh, I like your take with the the Diamondbacks. You know, that's definitely a team that I think is uh, emerging. I think one thing is like that pitching rotation. I, I think has the potential to just be deadly. Um, you know, maybe their their bullpen isn't that great, so that's definitely a big uh, kind of red flag for that team. But you know, they're hitting; uh, it's it's kind of enough. But then, yeah, when you have that pitching, you know, you can definitely win some games there. So um, that definitely is a team I think is on the up and up. Uh, even yeah, with uh, losing Dalton Varsho, there's a lot of potential I think on that team uh, led by that pitching. So uh, Merrill Kelly, uh, he's shown to be a stud. Uh, and then, um, also Zach Gallen. I mean, he could potentially be kind of like a Cy Young, uh, in the future. I think a lot of people are predicting him like top five in terms of Cy Young candidates there. So, 
Um, yeah, we'll see in terms of you know how they progress. If they uh, maybe you know, I kind of see them in a way like the Mariners, maybe potentially, um, maybe just a, a you know a couple of years ago. Uh, so you know maybe maybe not this year. I, I think they'll have more wins this year, but maybe next year uh, I could see them adding in some free agents here and there to fill in some roles, and then you know uh, uh, filling in that bullpen a little bit, and they could potentially be a contender. Then uh, is is what I'm imagining. Again, with that pitching, you know they can certainly do a lot of fun stuff there. So. Um, but yeah, uh, I do agree with the, the Dodgers, uh, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of, uh, what ifs or, you know, uh, Noah, like <laughs> you're relying on him to, you know, uh, fill some innings and everything. Like when was his last healthy season or when, when has he been throwing a hundred, like, you know, uh, uh, on every other pitch basically. So like, yeah, th- those days are gone. I think for him, uh, you know, past their, past their prime type of, pitchers i think they're almost kind of relying too much on there uh you know they do have obviously some other good pitchers there uh that i think could uh will you know uh complement the their hitting just enough for sure uh so and then they always have a you know pretty decent bullpen they always have it always seems like they have good pitching so but yeah their offense um it'll be interesting what happens without the trade turner and everything and you know all, again they're just running into injuries um, kind of left and right, and then yeah, no Justin Turner too. So yeah, where are all these runs going to come from? I think would be the big question. Uh, good thing they do have, you know, they still have Mookie Betts uh, there. Um, so they have enough hitting power. It's just, uh, yeah, not your usual Dodgers of uh, you know previous seasons, I think. Um, and then that really just you know makes things a little bit easier. I feel like for the San Diego Padres, right? That is such a loaded lineup. It's ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, I I definitely agree with you on that. I think the Padres, like, out of all the divisions, um, I I I'm, I feel pretty confident about that them winning that one. Again, with the regression, I feel like for the Dodgers, and yeah, I don't see the the Giants competing uh, for the top of the division there. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the Dodgers, like one other piece is like when you look up the middle. You know, as far as shortstop, second base, center field, uh, you know, last year you're looking at Bellinger, Trey Turner, um, even had, you know, Gavin Lux at second base. And I feel like just this year you're looking at Miguel Rojas from the Marlins coming over, Miguel Vargas, who's a rookie. And then you've got Clay Thompson's brother out in center field who just went through our minor league system long times ago. And all of a sudden he's back like in a starting job somewhere. So it's just like, it's a little head scratching from a team like the Dodgers who, you know, like the Yankees and other big market clubs is like always out spending as much, you know, cash as they, they pretty much want. And uh, it just feels like they're not, not like intentionally taking a step back to lose games, but they're just like not competing in contracts or wanting to like reach that luxury, you know, tax threshold for the, for this year, at least. Yeah. Uh, they are. I, I think they are holding out for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious. And like we mentioned, like, you know, uh, the whole, uh, why, why are they, why are so many players that they just like to chill around the division, right. Or go to division rivals. Yeah. You know, they, they don't want to move too far and Hey, look, this would be perfect for Shohei. He doesn't have to move too far and, you know, plays for, uh, the Dodgers, uh, who can outspend everybody basically. Right. But they're just choosing not to, because they want to pay you. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I think the Dodgers will regress, uh, 
you know, who's, we'll see if it's worth it for them though. If they are able to land Shohei in the future though. But um, yeah, they're, they're, they're just not going to look too good. I think this season. Gotcha. So I guess with that, um, you know, we've covered the whole league with all these teams. Um, I guess if you want, we can kind of get into our predictions. What do you think? Um, I don't know. Will be your NLCS uh, winner or matchup? And kind of like, who do you think is going to go to the World Series from the National League? Yeah, uh, I see. I mean, it's got to be for me like Mets versus uh, Padres. Uh, I I'm not sure if I see any other way. Uh, you know, the Cardinals. It it just seems like of recent years during the playoffs. Uh, they kind of choke. So uh, their bats disappeared uh, last postseason. You know, I don't, I don't know if they're going to all of a sudden, uh, you know, reemerge, I guess, in, uh, this season. So uh, I see Padres, they just have such a strong lineup and squad uh, pitching staff too. Uh, bullpen, you know, they're just kind of a complete squad overall. And yeah, they just got better in this off season too with Bogart. So uh, I feel like the Padres um, will beat. Uh, and who did I say? Uh, the Mets. Yeah, I have them beating the Mets. Uh, Mets, great team. Uh, but you know, Verlander, he actually hasn't played too well uh, in the in the postseason. At least you know deeper in the postseason of late. So. Um, you know, hey, great. He's had a Hall of Fame career and everything, so I'm not going to knock on him too much for that. But, you know, if you're going to go against a squad like the Padres, like that's that's going to be tough, I, I would say. Um, and they have pretty good pitching. You know, Darvish has uh, – I was doubting him, I think, last postseason, and I completely, you know, uh, he completely showed me up on there. So um, I definitely see the Padres, I think, uh, going towards uh, the World Series. But who do you got? Yeah, um, I'm with you on the Padres. I I feel like that's that's my team to represent the National League this year. Um, we've already talked about their roster, but just to add Fernando Tatis to the squad that was, you know, knocking at the doorsteps of the World Series last year, I just feel like they're going to come out really hungry this year. You get another year of you know just Juan Soto being comfortable, being out in San Diego, no more transition away from, you know, what he was dealing with in Washington, all that stuff. So it's like everybody's just kind of getting ready to, to go for this year. And uh, I think the only difference I have in my NLCS is I think the Braves uh, will, will find their way to, you know, that matchup with the Padres. I just, um, I just, I just see the Padres being a little bit too much of the Braves, but um, you know, I think the only difference, you know, that I look at when you go from season to playoffs is season. I love to see a lot of depth in a lot of different areas on the pitching side and offensive side. But then once we kind of get into this world series, like, the lineup never really changes that much. And then you just need to have like that stacked, you know, top tier of the rotation and then just a really solid bullpen. And I just think the Braves just tick that box a little bit better for me with their top three, top four versus the Mets. I like obviously what Verlander and Scherzer are, but I get a little bit, you know, weary about who is, you know, Jose Cantana as a third starter nowadays and who will Senga be or, you know, will Cookie Carrasco stay healthy this year to get them, you know, some some meaningful innings in the in the playoffs this year? So those are my only hesitation with the Mets. Um, really like everything else, but um, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Padres going to the World Series. Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, at least I think we agree upon that. Yeah, 
such a good looking uh lineup for sure i think so yeah all right how about your american league yeah in the yeah in the american league oh man this is a this is always a fun one because man you know our socks are there and everything and don't again don't want to be too much of a homer here and, and everything but um so in terms of the championship uh I'm, you know looking at all the teams here uh i see the astros coming back uh to the to the uh al championship series um and then i'll have them competing against uh the yankees i'll have a repeat <laughs> you know uh but then 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 you know i see the yankees emerging from here actually so i think last season they got swept uh in in the championship series but you know uh carlos Rodon. uh maybe i'm a believer i'm a believer that he'll emerge uh as like a you know he'll hopefully be healthy towards the end of the season and then actually contribute in the postseason uh he's got great stuff and you know a lot of times in the playoffs stuff just wins so um i'm hoping that the yankees then in this case uh will go to the world series uh beating uh the the astros and kind of gained their vengeance uh from last season interesting yeah um i've got one of those teams i got the astros and it's kind of uh in a way kind of a backdoor way in i mean just the way that the seating played out just in from one to six on my side for the al um got the astros playing you know either the twins or angels to get into the to the world you know the alcs i should say so for me i feel like that's pretty comfortable i think the astros can handle those two teams um this one was kind of tough because I have the Blue Jays facing the Mariners in that first round again, like last year, except this time I have the Blue Jays going on because I just, I like that rotation. I like what they already had on offense. They added a little bit more defense. And I think in a short series, I mean, th them and the Mariners is going to be such a bloodbath yet again. I just think it's going to turn the other way this time, even though I really do like the Mariners. I mean, I really like the Mariners as far as their pitching goes, but um, I got the Blue Jays we'll kind of go on and they'll, they'll play the Yankees in that next round. And, uh, you know, as much as I said, the Yankees might have their, you know, the nod in the the regular season. I think the blue Jays in a short series after, you know, overcoming the Mariners will be kind of ready to go into New York and, and go in with a full head of steam. And I, I think last year I picked them to go to the world series too. And they, they came up short for me. So this is my engines here for them. I, I think they'll, you know, finally kind of get over that hump. I think guys like Vlad and Bichette will, you know, really be stars this year in the same way, like have more confidence going in this year versus, you know, in the past couple of years. So um, give me the Blue Jays going over the, um, going over then the Astros in the ALCS. Um, I think, like I said, for the, just the Astros rotation, I like the pieces, but I just, I just, you know, without Verlander, that's a big, that's a big loss. And I, I don't think they're returning exactly the same team. I also think it's really tough for teams to repeat. So I think, you know, motivation wise, it might be, um, they might not be as hungry uh, this year as, as far as um, that's concerned. So I just, I think the Blue Jays match up well rotation wise, offensively, I think they match up pretty well. So it just comes down to, you know, kind of grit and who's uh, riding in hot. And I, I think the Blue Jays will be. So I've got the Padres and Blue Jays going on to the World Series. Yeah, no, no I think that's a great take. Um, no, for sure. It, how many teams have repeated like in recent years, right? 
you know, when was the last uh, last team to do that? Uh, I can't even recall. So I think that's a great point. You know, how many teams are going to go back to the World Series, especially after losing your, you know, Cy Young winning ace? Again, yeah, he didn't perform too well in the playoffs, but at the same time, right, uh, part of it is just like having that confidence that you have that you're Cy Young, Verlander, Hall of Famer, right? Uh, pitching on the mound. You don't even have to necessarily win, just, you know, get like a couple of decent innings there, like five, six innings in there. And then, yeah, you can take it from there. Just having that confidence, I think, really uh, is important going into, you know, a playoff series against like a really, really good hitting squad, such as the Blue Jays. So, um, and then, yeah, that Blue Jays squad, man, that is a stack squad for sure. So, um, and their pitching rotation, they, they've only been getting better in depth. So, um, yeah, uh, I think that'll be a fun uh, series to to watch there. So, For sure. So who do you got winning the World Series then? Oh, man. I got – I got – so I had the Yankees uh, coming out of the AL. Uh, but then in the NL, yeah, I had the Padres. So here – I got to go with the Padres here. Uh, it's just, I don't know what their GM is. All, where are they getting this money to? Like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I just like that the way the team is overall stacked uh, on the lineup. That is just a killer lineup. And then, yeah, the pitching staff, you know, it's hard to match that lineup, but they're pretty damn good staff as well. So uh, yeah, I, I have the Padres winning this one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I I really like the Blue Jays. I just feel like, you know, if the Padres were an NBA team, they'd have a super team. I mean, Soto, Tatis, Machado, like that would just be so much fun to watch them, uh, you know, do slam dunks and hit deep threes and stuff like that. But they're not. Um, but I think they've got a lot of depth there, too. It's, um, you know, like we said, it's not it's not just about those three. You got Bogarts there. too. You got Cronenworth. You got, you know, Haseon Kim. You've got you know, just, just good, good talent all around. I feel like this is going to be, you know, uh, their breakout party this year. They were that close last year. And, you know, just when I look at the Blue Jays Padres kind of matching them up, I think maybe the Blue Jays have a bit of a, of an edge maybe in their rotation, but I just think, you know, one to nine in the order, uh, Padres will, will be tacking on runs, uh, with ease. Um, and yeah, I see him winning it all too. Well, I'm glad we agree on that. Uh, that was <laughs> that was pretty nice there. So, yeah, you know, we don't always have to agree on everything, but hey, I think we'll be, both be cheering for the same team. Uh, come World Series time, then, uh, unless yeah, the White Sox are there, then you know, all bets are off. But yeah, yeah, let's hope the White Sox uh, overcome. You know, all the odds stacked against him. I mean, I feel like you know, just the negativity from, from last year kind of spilling over into the off season. I hope we can just get on the field, play ball and that they, uh, you know, just play competitive baseball this year. You know, I, I trying to set the expectations a little lower than world series. And, uh, just, I just hope they blow those expectations out of the water, obviously. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it, 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 it's going to be interesting. It's like, like was Tony Russo that bad in a way? Like, I think everybody's pre- predicting a bounce back year for the White Sox. So, you know, at least from everybody I've been hearing. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of optimism going into the season. But at the same time, you know, we've, we've been burned before. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on our White Sox. We'll definitely be cheering for them. But, um, you know, it's hard to say that they'll be winning a World Series this year or anything like that. 
Uh, but yeah, if there's some sort of progress, I think we can uh, we can ride that for sure. Sounds good. Um, let's get into some of the awards. Um, let's first look at the MVPs in the AL and NL. Uh, Wayne, who's your AL MVP? Yeah, my AL MVP. So um, this was a fun one. Like, you know, you definitely have uh, the Shohei Atanis and all that. You had Aaron Judge that won last year. Um, there's just a lot of good players at Julio Rodriguez as well. Um, so for me, I was kind of going back and forth. You know, there really hasn't been a repeat one. Uh, so that's where I was like, you know, Aaron Judge, I don't think he's going to be hitting, you know, 70 homers or anything like that uh, this season. Uh, it's a little bit boring, but I went with Shohei. Uh, Shohei. Uh, I think he's going to do his usual unbelievable hitting stats and then also his pitching stats as well. And that's just going to be tough to overlook. Um, I see Julio Rodriguez building off of what he built off last season. I think he'll probably be second, but in the end of the day, you know, this, this whole thing with Shohei Otani, it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. So, um, I have him taking the AL MVP here, but, uh, in my opinion though, I feel like Julio Rodriguez, if you take him, if you, again, this whole idea of what an actual most valuable player is, if you take Julio Rodriguez out of that lineup, I don't think they got too much, uh, to kind of. Uh, coincide with him uh so but yeah i i have shohei otani taking this one me too um i feel like for every year going forward he's just the default mvp um as long as he's pitching um and putting up the numbers that he does on the mound with what he does with the bat it's like he's a unicorn we don't see anything like you know him in any other type of sport i mean there's no quarterbacks playing linebacker there's no you know, I, I don't know. It's just hard to compare um, other sports to a guy like him, but he's a all-time great figure in baseball. And, uh, you know, I think what we said last year is if Judge didn't hit that historic home run, at least outside of, you know, the you know the steroid era and stuff, and I don't think we're looking at an AL MVP from, from Aaron Judge, even though he got his team to the playoffs. So, you know, I think the Angels actually squeak into the playoffs this year. I think that's just an extra feather in his cap. But as long as he is producing on both sides – I feel like he's always going to get the votes and, and and should be the MVP year in, year out. Yeah, for sure. Who's your uh, NL MVP then? NL, um, it's kind of tough. I mean, I, I I feel like there are some very stacked squads in the NL and they all have multiple MVPs on their roster. Like you look at the Mets, the Braves, the Cardinals, the Padres, the Dodgers, all those guys have at least <laughs> – at least two guys they could say, hey, these are going to be our you know MVP candidate this year. But I'm just going to look at the guy I think is going to have the best output um, beyond that World Series team. So I'm going to go with Juan Soto. I think that you know just just the dynamic offense that they're going to put together this year. And and you know this is all hinging on Tatis's ability to stay healthy, to not be a distraction, to not get suspended in any other way. You know, so that's a big what if um, to be honest with you, but. You know, if all things play the way they're supposed to, this team's going to score probably the most runs in baseball, and he's going to be the main beneficiary of that. And I think him getting outside of Washington and have his mind pretty much clear, um, if he could sign an extension too before opening day, I mean, that'd be another thing to kind of check off his list. But yeah, give me Juan Soto. Um, have an amazing year. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think uh, Juan Soto, uh, I'm just looking at apparently – He's he's the favorite on the Las Vegas odds and everything, and it totally makes sense. You know, 
uh, having that stack lineup, like they can't pitch around him or, and all that. So uh, they're going to have to pitch to him and he's just such a good hitter. So um hundred percent agree on that. Um, you know, uh, I might think like second place might be like Okuna uh, might be one name uh, I, I might consider there. Uh, you know, Mookie Betts for sure. He's always been just kind of a all around kind of player, really good war overall. So and Manny Machado as well. So, but yeah, hundred percent. I think Juan Soto uh, is my pick too. So I think we're agreeing on both the MVPs here. It sounds like. So hey, how about that? Very yeah, definitely not good. We need to we need to mix this up real quick. <laughs> uh, um, how about for the Cy Youngs? Uh, who do you got in the uh, AL to start it off? Yeah, AL. So I thought about this a little bit. Uh, you know, I thought Garrett Cole definitely. Uh, you know, I I had him like like 90% of the way. And then, you know, I said, to hell with it. Uh, Dylan Cease, I think he'll win the Cy Young. Uh, the White Sox will have a bounce back year. Uh, you know, Dylan Cease, he had that streak of just like not really a long run. So I think, you know, he'll continue to build off of that for uh, this season. Just do it. You pitch more innings, I think, uh, going forth in this season. And I think he'll take the Cy Young, strike out, you know, 200 plus uh, uh, batters, uh, you know, pitch 200 plus innings, uh, you know, maybe win 20 games. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think he's, he'll, he'll take it from here. Uh, sorry, Garrett Cole fans out there, but I think our guy Dylan Cease, uh, wins the Cy Young here. It's a good pick. I mean, he was right there last year, um, had a definitely a breakout season, um, I'm hoping he can keep his walk rate down. I think that's the one thing that analysts critique is, you know, if he lets too many guys on base and they start knocking in some runs, like that could be a little bit dangerous for him, but I think he's a great starter and I'm, I'm so glad he's, uh, he's in the black and white. Um, I picked Shane McClanahan. Um, I actually had Shane last year in fantasy for the most of the year. I thought he was elite level, um, in terms of his, you know, outings, just the amount of uh, efficiency he'd bring to every start. I feel like he always kept, you know, runs, you know, to two, one, and, you know, at times it was three. I feel like for most of the season, he was riding out, you know, uh, a sub, you know, 2.5 ERA for most of the year. He did deal with some injuries toward the end of the year, which cut his season a little bit short. I think he might've been, you know, dancing around 150, 160 innings last year. I think, you know, with the Tampa Bay Rays, they usually like to uh, keep those innings uh, limits down for their starters. I mean, he might be at like 180 innings this year, but if he gives you 180 elite innings, he's going to be, you know, putting up some really uh, great numbers for for Tampa. And uh, yeah, I just see him as like the most talented pitcher, I think, in the American League. So I'm going to give him the nod for, for Cy Young. Yeah, I I mean he's I think he had like one of the best strikeout ratios, right? In terms of like like K's per nine innings. So you know, he and that's definitely something, you know, especially as like sabermetrics becomes more of a thing. It's like, yeah, when you strike somebody out, don't walk as, as many people like Dylan Cease, then that certainly comes to your advantage. So um yeah, I, I definitely see you know him being a silent candidate for sure. Um but he's he doesn't pitch for the White Sox, so I I don't care. But yeah, no, uh, he's a great pitcher, so I have nothing wrong to say about that for sure. Yeah, for the NL Cy Young, um, I'm gonna go with Corbin Burns. I think I picked him last year too. I feel like again, I think he's the best pitcher in the National League. Um, 
I know Sandy Alcantara had an amazing year last year. It's arguable, I think, between those two about who's who is the the best of the best. Um, you've got let you know Verlander, Scherzer, uh, Julio Urias was was pretty good last year. I don't know. You kind of like look around. There's a lot of guys that kind of approach that you know lead level. I just feel like Burns is going to give you that combo of just nasty strikeout stuff. He's going to put up high strikeout numbers overall. He's going to be you know, probably leading the Brewers in innings this year. He's going to be an integral part to, to how far they go this year. I just feel like he it will be kind of an MVP of sorts for that team. So um, I, I think he shows out, has one of his, you know, typical years he's had in the last two here. So um, give me Corbin Burns. I think he'll he'll win the uh, National League Cy Young. Yeah, I, I think the betting odds too are, uh, I think they have him second to uh, Sandy Al- Alcantara repeating, but Again, how many times do you know uh, these awards repeat? So um, I definitely like that pick. Uh, I'll be a little bit contrarian. I'll go Spencer Strider, Mister Tight Pants, and everything. So uh, yeah, I mean, again, the strikeouts. I think that sex up well. You know, put him for a full season and everything. Uh, I think he'll get like you know maybe close to three hundred or if that three hundred strikeouts, and that that'll definitely set him apart. So if you can reach something like that uh great you know uh they'll probably still have him you know pitch under 200 innings just because you know he's young and everything so you know maybe it's like 270 or something like that hey oh that's terrible right uh yeah i i I, that's where i just see him uh kind of sticking out there you know so i have spencer strider uh as a slight dark horse but yeah i think he's just a killer uh pitcher out there yeah, I, I like Strider. Um, I do worry about, you know, innings and, and things like that just as far as, um, you know, I think one analyst maybe said that prior to last year, which I think he had 130 innings or so, he only had single-digit innings uh, in 21, and then we had a pandemic-shortened season in 2020. So he's never been, like, extended out, and I think we always talk about, like, what's Kopech's upside, you know? And it's like, well, every year Kopech only throws like 120, 130 innings. It's like, when are you going to make that jump? I think I think Strider's on a much better fast track than than Kopech is in that respect. But it does, um, it does lead into like, you know, seriously though, if this guy can get to like 270 plus strikeouts or something in 150 innings, like you got to kind of look at him, you know, right? So... Um, I, I don't doubt the talent. I just wonder if, uh, you know, he'll have the kind of, uh, you know, innings upside to, to really show out to, uh, to the writers. Yeah, I know for sure. And yeah, I, I think no, that's the number third on here on the list of in terms of odds is uh, Justin Verlander. Right. Um, so how, how about that? If he's able to win, you know, both the AL and uh, NL Cy Young's, you know, in his tenors. So uh you know what a career for sure uh and yeah it's nice to i guess see justin verlander and max scherzer uh, on the same squad again so um yeah looking forward to uh some awesome pitching yeah i mean cross our fingers they both stay healthy uh just for entertainment's sake i i I would hate to see them have like hobbled seasons or anything like that and uh, whatever could you know come but um yeah both great pitchers and uh would love to see them kind of you know spend their last few years here in, in baseball on a positive note. For sure. Uh, who do you have uh, taking rookie of the year in the NL? So in the NL, um, I'm looking at a couple of guys. Um, 
I think it really just comes down to who I think is going to be a fixture in their lineup day in, day out, who's going to be able to kind of play more games, be at a higher spot in the lineup, uh, have have more of a focus on them as far as being a priority in their offense. So I, I went with Corbin Carroll uh, of, of the Diamondbacks. He's a first-round pick, um, had, a, had a nice showing last year in, in limited time on the big league roster. Apparently he's having a good spring training, but from everything I've heard, you know, he's he's the kind of guy who's got good plate discipline, puts up a good average, gets on base, has some speed. He just has the mix of skills that, you know, any five tool uh, player would want. Um, he is early on in his his playing days, obviously, as, as a rookie. But in the same sense, um, I feel like they really are entrusting him with with being a core part of their lineup. I think, you know, they're projecting him as a top three hitter in that lineup. Just a lot to say for a kid coming in with a lot of competition, I think, on the Diamondbacks. I think there's a lot of guys in the outfield and around the Diamond that uh, will be competing for, you know, the best spots in the lineup and and, and more and more playing time. But uh, I just have confidence with him. Um, if there are other guys I would throw out there, I don't know what's going to happen with Jordan Walker, but from everything I've heard and obviously the numbers he put up in the minors, he's ready to go on paper. It's just kind of where does he fit in the Cardinals? you know, roster can, you know, he's a natural third baseman, but he's blocked by Arenado. So, you know, they're trying him in the outfield. They're kind of doing a Andrew Vaughn type thing with him this year. And then um, I also want to keep my eye on Garrett Mitchell for the Brewers. I think, you know, he's going to be their starting center fielder. I heard he could get some leadoff um, at bats. If that's the case, you know, he's got speed, gets on base. He plays good defense. You know, he steals bags. They win games. I think, you know, he'll be in the mix for, for rookie of the year. Yeah, I like that take. Um, yeah, I was thinking uh, Jordan Walker, but then you almost were kind of like uh, 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 convincing me with Corbin and Carroll because, yeah, uh, Jordan Walker might not get as many at bats. They're probably bad. I'm like, I don't know, like, you know, sixth, fifth, you know, maybe or seventh or something, maybe lower. Whereas Corbin Carroll, he's, he's going to be, you know, maybe more so on the top of the lineup there. Uh, so that's definitely a good point out there in terms of. Uh, you know, him getting more hits, home runs, etc., runs, uh, at bats and, and everything there. Um, so, but yeah, uh, I think but Miguel Vargas, I think is another name possibly as well, but you know, if I had to pick, yeah, probably Corbin Carroll in terms of the NL. For sure. How about the AL? Oh uh, man, the AL. I'm going to take, uh, the, the outfielder from Boston, uh, from Japan. Uh, Masataka Yoshida, 29-year-old outfielder there. Um, you know, in Japan, he had an OPS over 900. Uh, I think that'll translate you know, pretty well. We we definitely have seen that uh, to the MLB. So I have him, uh, uh, you know, I think that's the idea is that a lot of these, you know, uh, you know Japanese type of outfielders and positional players that come in, uh, they've, they're veterans. Like he's 29 years old. So, uh, he's, he's seen it. He's played full seasons and everything. He's a professional. So that's where I feel like he just kind of comes in and, and he, he, and he'll rake. So again, OPS average in his career over 900. So I think he'll, that'll translate well, you know, maybe his OPS is like 850 or, or in the eight hundreds or something like that. That's kind of what I'm imagining for him. That's my pick there. Gotcha. Yeah, I actually wasn't thinking about Yoshida. I forgot about him, but yeah, really good on base type of guy. Um, has some pop, you know, gets to play in Fenway Park, which I think is a really nice hitter's park. And he'll be a really important part of that team as far as, uh, you know, 
their offense is concerned. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there, so should be interesting. Um, I went back and forth on this one. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of buzz around Gunnar Henderson, um, shortstop for the Orioles as well. Um, had a nice showing um, in the second half of last year. A uh, lot of upside potential, you know, fills the left side of the infield for the Orioles going forward. Um, I just, I just wasn't as sure. I wasn't trusting my gut as much with Gunnar Henderson. So I'm sh- actually going with a pitching prospect here. I'm going to go with Hunter Brown of the Astros. I feel like last year kind of came in, did some spot starting, was pretty locked down. Um, just, a, just a fireballer and a really good pitcher. So, you know, he got a lot of relief innings last year. I feel like this year with the shortened rotation that they have without Verlander and McCullers maybe going down, I think he's going to get some opportunities early on to showcase what he has. And I think that, you know, if, and when McCullers comes back and, you know, they need to maybe put him in a relief role, I think he'll, you know, gobble up some holds, you know, maybe he'll get some save chances. Maybe he'll get some spot starts going forward, but I think just overall his body of work for this year, you know, I don't know what they have him projected for as far as innings go, but I just, I just think his ERA and his, his strikeout numbers are going to look really nice. And uh, I think it'll create a lot of buzz just being on the Astros and being, just an important pitcher for their team this year. So I'll pick uh, Hunter Brown. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good pick. You know, those, uh, those Astros, they I feel like they win rookie of the year. Like how many times have they won rookie of the year? Uh, the past like 10 years or something like that. They just keep popped or, or, or yeah. Even, even if they don't win rookie of the year, like they usually have somebody in contention just cause yeah, that's just such a good organization. They just know how to, you know, uh, bring in talented players and then create like a nice ecosystem for them. So um, but yeah, uh, you know, you, it's definitely one of those, like, uh, you know, this player is going to get a lot of reps, so they got to win rookie of the year, right. Versus, Hey, maybe they don't have any expectation whatsoever. Uh, but they're going to be put into a really good lineup. Uh, yeah. And they just focus on getting hits there. So, you know, we've seen that kind of time and time again, uh, you know, several Yankee players have won rookie of the year there too. Um, I mean, Derek Jeter, like he had a really good uh, lineup around him. Uh, but then, you know, you plug him in there and hey, like he doesn't have to do too much. Uh, he just got to focus on, you know, putting the bat on the ball there. So uh, definitely, um, you know, uh, like that approach too as well, uh, as opposed to just getting a bunch of or being, you know, bang one, one, one to three or one of four in the lineup against a really uh, with a really crappy squad. So, yeah, for sure. Um and the last award we're covering is uh, the managers of the year too. So kind of looking around um, some of our predictions, uh, Wayne, who do you think, at least for the AL, uh, will step out as manager of the year? Yeah, I got, I got John Schneider, uh, Blue Jays. Um, you know, he had, uh, uh, when he took over, uh, or after he took over, I mean, at the end of the season, like, like they were kind of like a 500 team or I think they even had a losing record before he took over, um, kind of changed it around. So had a, I think 622 winning percentage, uh, after, you know, the, or when they gave him the interim title there and you know, now he's signed through this year too. So, uh, I have him, you know, kind of keeping that momentum up going and, you know, we, we both, I think we both like the Blue Jays going into the season. And <laughs> I think, well, what we saw from, you know, the second half of the season, and a lot of that you know, has to do with the, man- the manager change there, I, I think. So um, that's where I feel like uh, the Blue Jays, they have that talented squad. Yeah, they won a bunch of games uh, last season, and that's always kind of frowned upon. But I feel like, you know, uh, I had them go- going ahead 
uh, ahead of the Yankees this season. So, uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, John Schneider. And I think that, uh, you know, 622 winning percentage, like if that was a full season, I think that's like tops uh, in the AL. So, uh, yeah, I have John Schneider here. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Um, Also a guy that hasn't been in the running for manager of the year. So I think the Blue Jays will perform well. It'll show well on him. And I think he'll be obviously a good candidate for, for, uh, you know, that award. Um, I'm going to go with Rocco Baldelli from the Twins. I think that going into this year, I feel like maybe most are thinking Guardians, White Sox, um, top of mind. Uh, It stings to say it. I don't want it to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. Um, I just... Again, I'm, I'm looking at guys like, you know, Jose Miranda, um, Nick Gordon, you know, Alex Kirilov maybe stepping up and having a year for them. Um, you know, they just have a lot of depth in different areas. If if Buxton goes down again, they they traded for Michael A. Taylor, so they've got a backup in center field. It's just like everywhere you kind of turn, like if Sonny Gray goes down, they've got Josh Winder. It's like they just have another guy to kind of plug in, and I think that you know, they'll be a fun team to watch. I mean, not for us, but I think that they'll be an athletic team. They'll put runs on the board. They'll pitch pretty well. So um, I'll just say Rocco Baldelli. Uh, hopefully it's the White Sox knocking off the Twins in the division. We can talk about Pedro Grafal instead, um, but holding my breath a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would love for Pedro Grafal to win uh, AL manager. I mean, hey, you know, I have 500 team uh, last season if they could you know, get to close to like 90 or something like that. I, you know, I, I definitely think that that could put him into contention there. So, um, but yeah, Rocco Badelli, uh, again, yeah, I know you picked, uh, the, the twins there to, uh, pull out the division there. So, uh, if that happens, then yeah, it, it makes sense for Rocco to, uh, to, to, to win it there. So, but yeah, uh, who do you got for NL manager? This one was tough because I'm looking at my six playoff teams and, I swear almost all these guys have been kind of in the mix for um, manager of the year, multiple division winners at at some points, multiple time playoff teams. So it's like a lot of these guys are household names when it comes to this award. Um, To me, I think the Padres are going to have the kind of year that, you know, really, really sets a new vibe out West um, to kind of knock off the Dodgers you know, maybe, maybe win the most games in the national league throughout the regular season. So I think maybe with that, you know, it shows really well on Bob Melvin as their manager to, to kind of win this award. It's a very, it's a very safe choice. I don't even know if I like it all that much. I mean, maybe I, I would rather see like a Marmol on the Cardinals, but it's kind of hard. Cause it's like the Cardinals have been the perennial kind of winner there too. I think Craig council has won the award for the Brewers already. So it's like, would they do that again? Would they do Snitker again? Showalter, Dave Roberts. I don't know. Uh, Wayne, if you've got some insights here that, you know, just kind of, kind of sh- share the hand of, of the, the MLB writers, the, the award uh, voters, like, let me know what you think from a psychological perspective here. Yeah, no, uh, I like your take. Uh yeah, sometimes it's just it always feels like the writers like try to romance, like, like make it romantic, right? Like, oh, this manager like took this like you know uh, really crappy team that everybody's like pissing on from the beginning of the season, and then all of a sudden they like they win like eighty games or something like that, or ninety games, and when they're expected to win like sixty or something. So, um, yeah, I, it's it's hard to pick any, any type of thing like that's gonna or foresee if anything like that's gonna happen 
in the in the NL, you know, we we went over the NL East. It's like the you know, it's it, I I would be sort of surprised if those three teams that we talked about don't you know aren't there at the end of the season. Uh, you know, the Dodgers, uh, yeah, and and then also the the Padres. Like those are you know traditionally some stacked squads. So I don't see that maneuvering too much or creating any type of too much drama and i think that's the whole idea sometimes these writers like drama um and then so with all that being said i'm looking at uh and we've talked about this team before but the diamondbacks right you know oftentimes there's those young teams that have you know solid players and maybe they do make a little bit of a of a run right so you know with the mariners right last season you know scott service right like i i don't think he won it but like he was definitely in contention. So that's where I see maybe like a, a Tori Lavulio uh, this year uh, with the Diamondbacks, maybe taking over NL manager of the year. I think they won like 74 games last season or something like that, mid seventies. You know, I kind of thinking that they might actually peak into like the eighties of some sort, maybe mid eighties uh, potentially, right. If they can do that, then, Hey, I think that's a, a great way to, uh, uh, to introduce Tori uh, Uvuyo in there, so um, yeah, he's he would be someone I'm looking at. But yeah, to your point, you know, I don't know if the NL Central, if anybody's going to merge out of there. Um, so yeah, I have you know my my thinking is maybe a Tori Uvuyo uh, w- would win NL Manager. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I I really do like the Diamondbacks this year as like a dark as a you know dark horse team. Uh, Tori Lavulo actually won in 2017, which is kind of funny. And uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, Craig Council's never won it. So I know he's oh, been kind of okay. in the running for it. So maybe if that's the, yeah. the odd man out in this situation, I know Marmol hasn't uh, as well. Mike Schilt did when he was with the Cardinals in, uh, in 2019 here. But it's like, you know, otherwise we're looking at guys who have already won it. You know, Showalter won last year. Snitker won it, you know, uh, here in 2018. And Dave Roberts won in 2016. So it's kind of like, yeah, who else is going to emerge in this pack as being the best manager? And you know, I think it's kind of it's kind of unfair. I mean, we won't write a you know segment or do a podcast on it, but like, shouldn't the manager of the year be looked at like the MVP? Like, shouldn't we look at the guy who like teams would hire first if they had first ups? Like, if you had any choice of any NL manager, like who would you pick? Like, that should be the guy that you pick as like your MVP or like your you know your manager of, of the year actually. Yeah, I know. Like, and that's the whole thing. I feel like there's this whole idea that, you know, players, but we see what happened with Tony LaRusa, right? Like, uh, yeah, sure. He won the Hall of Fame. He's, you know, Hall of Fame and everything. But at the same time, it's like anybody with that, that followed the team and everything, just, you know, like he kind of just drained the team essentially. So, uh, so a bad manager can really hurt your team. So then you see what a good manager can do is like, man, they can definitely elevate your squad uh for sure um so uh that's definitely where there there ought to be more of an emphasis i think on this uh on this award but um yeah it's just not as sexy for sure i mean guy just sits there and says like all right bring in a righty or whatever you know so uh yeah um but no yeah i actually didn't know yeah he won an award yeah i think he got uh in 2017 right like 93 wins or something so um, good for them. So maybe, yeah, they, this becomes more of a thing for him uh, with the with the Diamondbacks here if, if they are able to, you know, put up a, a run in the NL West there. So, but yeah, yeah, I'm 
yeah. I wonder if there's a how many repeat winners of NL because I, I think that's one thing about manager of the year. It's like once you win it, it's like it's hard for you to win it again. It's like, yeah, he's a good manager. Okay, let's find another one, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, so I guess with that, that's our our overall MLB preview for this year. Uh Wayne, do you have any other baseball thoughts that that didn't come up uh in the way that we ran this out? I mean not too much. Yeah, I, I know we talked about, you know, both of us taking uh the Padres, I guess, uh, you know, winning the the World Series. Um, but yeah, do you have like a breakout player or something like that, maybe on, on your side, uh that, you know, maybe has uh had, you know, good seasons previously, maybe uh maybe quasi comeback player of the year. Do you have any player like that that might be uh, emerging? Man, I, I would I would say it, but then I'd I'd have to uh I'd have to edit it out immediately because of my, my fantasy competition this year in baseball. But uh, <laughs> no, you know the thing is like I, I don't know if I do offhand. I feel like there are a lot of guys that you know possibly could, you know, take some steps here. I mean, I'd love to see what Fernando Tatis can do in a full year this year. I mean, coming off of somewhat of an injury riddled season the year prior to to last and I'm kind of missing all of last year and, and and that much. And then, you know, seeing the White Sox and I'm like some of this part of our core where it's like Eloy, Luis Robert, um, Tim Anderson staying healthy, uh, Yoan to a lesser extent, but I'm still like, what's really, you know, his upside, what's his full potential because he's had some good years in the past. So I think Looking at a lot of the White Sox guys, if they do break out, if they do have years where they stay healthy and can put up the kind of numbers we expect, I mean, that's where the difference comes in. I mean, I think the Twins can make the same argument with Byron Buxton. It's like, or a Carlos Correa, if these guys can stay healthy for 140 games this year, like we're going to be a very good baseball team. So, you know, maybe keeping my eyes on the Twins and White Sox and like their star power and who will actually break out. But if they do, it'll be a scary thing. Yeah, no, I, th- I think those are great points. And yeah, those are two, uh, like, well, I mean, every single player in the White Sox, I feel like is uh, injury prone now, it seems like, or, or has a history of injuries. So, and then, yeah, Byron Buxton, I think, I mean, you know, when he's playing, like he's playing at an MVP level and that's really, that, that Twins team just becomes really hard to beat, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely like those takes for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I do have anyone on my side, I guess, because I feel like the White Sox are majority of all the uh, teams or players that uh, will, will be a kind of a comeback player. But um, I would like to see, I think, Anthony Rondon. Like, I might have mentioned it before. Um, you know, I think he's like 32 or something like that. So, like, still, like, you know, youngish or maybe not young, but, you know, still, like, uh, uh, like in his prime type of years, I guess, from from baseball, baseball player perspective, I think it's like usually like 27 to th- uh, early 30s. So, um, you know, him with Otani, with Trout, and like all the players that they just acquired too. Like, you know, I know you you have um the making the playoffs you know this year. So, but yeah, like if we can see him uh, emerge to you know maybe hit 20, 30 homers or something like that, play you know 120 plus games, something like that. Um, if you can do that, he's definitely great for, for the game. Um, you know, just a great player to watch, I think. So, um, 
but yeah, I think that's all I got in terms of, you know, uh, my takes for the season here. Gotcha. All right. So with that, do you have any, uh, final thoughts to close down the show? Yeah. Um, so I think today, right. I was, uh, in the office as a hybrid, you know, at my new job and everything, kind of a hybrid model, um, at a WeWork and it was downtown and, uh, it was lunchtime actually. And I was uh, at, at the Sears Tower. I don't know what this Willis Tower people are, are talking about. Uh, but I was at the Sears Tower. And they got a little food court there right at the lobby area. Um, and then I spotted there was uh, Do Right Donuts, uh, which is like my favorite, I guess, chain uh, donut spot in the Chicagoland area. And I recommended uh, a donut to my boss. That bought my boss had the donuts so it was out of control um it is a blueberry crumb donut uh one of the most delicious donuts that i've ever had um uh definitely gotta check it out uh if you're in the chicago area for that they I, th- I think they also deliver uh to the suburbs too and, and they make stops there so just follow their instagram on that but um yeah pat my question to you what is your favorite donut you know where do you get it what's on it do you like donuts at all? Tell me about it, man. Excellent question. Yes, I love donuts. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't eat a lot of donuts, to be honest with you, because obviously they're probably like one of the worst food products you can have, <laughs> according to dietitians and stuff. But like, I'm not going to front and say like, I don't like a donut or like I won't, you know, if I go out and get donuts, I'll have three or four, man. Like, I'm not I'm not shy from from going after it. So I think the type of donut that I really like and it kind of came on um more recently maybe like in the 2000s or 2010s or something but like the maple bacon bar um just that whole mashup that whole concept of just like what i would love to have for breakfast just like on a donut um it came up when i was in portland uh and i went to voodoo donuts and i had that like that maple bacon bar which i thought was was good and i liked that whole experience and i thought it was like edgy and cool and it like made donuts more than just like Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme, you know, in a way. It was kind of like like a fun go out at night type of experience, which we don't often see with donuts. Um, but I would say now um, I still like the maple bacon bar. It just comes in a kind of a different form. So it's not like your Long John, but at a place called Duck Donuts, which is regional um, from Duck, North Carolina, is where the original came from. They actually do make-to-order donuts. So everything is made fresh, hot, and then they like, you know, they glaze them and they put the toppings on like while you're there and kind of ordering your, you know, your six or your 12 or whatever you're into. But um, they do uh, just a classic donut um, with maple frosting and then they actually have bacon bits that just covers the entire top. And uh, yeah, man, the salty, the sweet just reminds me of like having a good breakfast. Like I think I think that like regional somewhat of a chain. I think there's like handful of locations in this area. Um, just really high quality type of donut. Yeah, but, I've I've had them. I've had them. Yeah, yeah. My sister's out in Charlotte, so I remember uh, going there, and she's like, "Wayne, yeah, I know you like donuts. You got to stop by this Duck Donuts and everything." And I was like, "Okay, I, it's just donuts, right?" But then I I go there, and it's like I I think I bought like a dozen, and then I, I went to a nearby park, and I think I finished six, like in just that one sitting, <laughs> and I gave the rest to uh to my sister and my brother in law there, so. Um, yeah, they're really good. They are really good. Um, but yeah, I will say, 
Uh, the best donuts in Portland is not Voodoo Donuts. I know I'm being sacrilege out there, but it's a place called uh, Blue Star Donuts. Uh, they have, you know, they're 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 not as quirky. I think with their ingredients, like I feel like they go for the quality, like you know, the the batter and everything, the ingredients on there. So um, they got a blueberry bourbon basil actually that Whoa. is to die for, right? So uh, yeah, like so to me at least, that's my favorite donut spot. Not voodoo. Although, hey, look, I respect the game. I get it. It's all fun. Uh, and I, I the, who, who, who's not gonna say uh, I don't like a maple bacon bar or anything like that anyway? But yeah, uh, blueberry bourbon basil at Blue Star in Portland. Um, one of my favorite, yeah, uh, uh, donut spots over there. Like I would travel from Seattle, drive, you know, drive over there and everything, or hitch a ride, uh, and then just have that donuts. Uh, there and then you know buy some Nike shoes or something like that and then head on the way back. So uh, yeah, definitely have good memories there. But uh, I love donuts, man. Dude, I need to give one more shout out to donuts, or I'm just gonna not feel good about myself. But um, <laughs> dude, any site, any any type of cider donut that just comes from like those apple orchards, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you get a hot bag of six, and it's just like the bag is like on fire, and the you know the donuts just like coated in cinnamon dust cinnamon sugar like i think that for me is like the most eatable donut anywhere anytime you know like i just and some orchards i think do them better than others but i know like at least out in illinois like there's a spot called edwards orchard i used to go to when i was younger but like Mm -hmm. seriously have so much nostalgia when i eat the apple cider donut anywhere else to that one spot but in the same sense like it's pretty consistent across the board those are always like pretty good for me that sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I think any type of like, I, I like any type of like, apple type of donuts as well, like fritters. Like, I definitely like, mm-hmm. you know, those like uh, Apple Michigan fritters um, for sure. Uh, they're like a ton of calories, but I'm like, hey, you know, they're donuts, but I don't care anymore. Uh, yes. Things like that. Um, I've also had like a nice like lemon poppy, like old fashioned before as well um donut vault uh in chicago i think they they serve that on occasion i've had really good ones there yeah like a love and poppy kind of have that uh i don't know what the, is it tart or something like that taste so that you know a little bit of sweetness obviously and then obviously all the fat that happens with the like a buttermilk type of donut oh but um yeah i, I love you know things like that um I, but i don't like is matcha i don't want i don't like matcha donuts i think that's become more of a thing or uh mochi nuts I, or mochi donuts or whatever you call like i don't get the point of them like <laughs> i don't know it's like why why are you trying to screw with the donut like it's donuts are great by themselves you know it doesn't need a whole mochi thing i feel like but yeah 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 i actually I, i've had the mochi donut. i think it's like got it's like almost like a thinner type of uh type of the donut it's like a little lighter a little easier to eat if you're just not wanting to like match yeah. donuts or whatever <laughs> but uh I always thought I always thought taste wise they were pretty good, but definitely a kind of a change up to from like your traditional donut. But um, I guess while we're on this topic too, like I don't know if you've seen this, but like the Netflix uh, documentary about donuts and like how they kind of you know they have this huge base out in LA and stuff, and this one like mogul like who first established like donut culture in LA like just kept yeah. opening up like kind of these like joint ventures or you know just in a way like he kind of had the partial ownership for a while or whatever have you, you know, it's kind of like just branched out to a lot of people coming in from that, man, I'd love to go out to LA and just like 
sample a bunch of those donut shops, uh, those classics. Yeah, let's let's go. Uh, yeah, I think it's like Donut King. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Donut, Donut King. Yeah. So I think my understanding is that uh, is it Vietnamese or Cambodian? I forget which one exactly, but um, yeah, like Donut King. I think he kind of like just first. I think he first started like making the or he worked for a donut shop and then kind of worked his way up and then like became became like a manager and then uh, and then I think he started his own and then he I, I think he bought like became like a real estate mogul basically and then worked with like yeah the other vietnamese or cambodian community to be like hey uh you know he'll sponsor uh 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 you know people coming in and then he'll be like hey let me set you up with the donut shop or something like <laughs> you know I, I know how to you know get a good interest rate on this uh on this on this uh property here and then here's like you know the business plans that you need for the donut shops and you know pay me a certain percentage or something like that so um yeah definitely killed it but yeah that's a great watch for sure i, I love you know seeing that type of stuff yeah just a really cool uh you know piece of that culture out in la and just kind of how is established by refuge <laughs> how per like how much uh market share they gobbled up in like any time you know there was a popular donut chain that tried to come in and they just get squeezed out by all these you know cambodian mom and pops like it was just great to watch yeah, yeah, it's like what was it like Dunkin' Donuts? They, 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 they were like, yeah, let's you know, let's get out of here. Like they, they, were, they like left. I think during the '90s and like 2000s a little bit, and then I think all of a sudden they're like, oh, maybe there is, I guess, some market share that we can get. Um, I mean, just because I think Dunkin' now has they're like more of a coffee shop now. <laughs> I think they're like the number two most uh, you know consumed coffee shop, uh, you know, next to Starbucks. I think now so. Maybe that's a little bit where they're going, but yeah, uh, Cambodian uh, donut shops, uh, LA. Um, you know, next time I'm, I'm in that area, it's like, all right, let's go to In and Out. All right, then let's go get some donuts uh, from a Cambodian mom and pop shop. So yeah, for sure. Well, gotta love donuts. Great segment. Great that we touched on that, and uh, yeah, tons to try still. I feel like there's a lot of niche spots in New York and other places that I've heard of. Um, you know, just all these food blogs and other things that you yeah, definitely would like to try soon. But uh, I guess my final thought is um, a coworker of mine is moving to an area in DC that I used to live in. So I just started like having a little bit of nostalgia at the end of work today. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna look on a map and just kind of remind myself of like that whole area. And I was looking up just a bunch of restaurants and uh, I found like this great cluster of restaurants to recommend to her all in the same block. Um, you know, there was a Laotian restaurant that I used to like, that's, you know, really highly reviewed. Um, there's a Cuban restaurant that has this lechon asado, which is like basically a, a pork with grilled onions on top and you get black beans and plantains on the side. It's like amazing. One of my favorite dishes, there's pho, there's a rooftop bar, but I guess I say all this because 14th street on, uh, you know, in Columbia Heights, uh, in DC is like one of my favorite food corridors, food streets, uh, that I can think of, or even remember. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, Wayne, is there a, is there a similar type of corridor street, whether it's Chicago, Seattle, anywhere else that just comes to mind to you, a place that like, you just feel like you could go there for the day, you know, have some beers or like watch a game. You could just bounce around to different spots and it just kind of has like a vibe, uh, to it in a way. I mean, yeah, uh, restaurant row. Yeah, I, I feel like that area, like it's not even the restaurants necessarily. There's a lot, I think, just in the West Loop. Um, 
that I like just go there. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, go to a nice restaurant, but there's a ton of just, you know, casual bars, you know, you can chill out at, uh, I really like going to timeout. Like that's my favorite spot. Timeout market in Chicago. Um, you know, you can go there. Like I'll, I'll take anybody that's in town. It's like, Hey, we don't need to get any reservations. We can get some of the best restaurants in Chicago that are local, that aren't, you know, too chainy or anything like that, or uh, that all the tourists necessarily go to. Uh, you know, they tend to have a pretty solid um, variety uh, uh, there, but then also pretty decent quality. So I'll usually take them there and then, you know, uh, can bar hop around. Um, they do uh, have a Levain's bakery. I actually just bought a four. Uh, cookies there uh last night after getting some pizza so that you know i got pizza around that na neighborhood and i was there i'm gonna get some uh levain's uh bakery cookies there you know which uh the, you know they stem from new york and are really popular from new york there too so um and then yeah around that area i, I can also top it off with like jenny's ice cream uh all again all this is kind of like walking distance right um and then yeah there's some like nice uh hotel areas around there uh, they have lounges, rooftop bars, etc. So, um, and then yeah, one of my favorite places to just grab some good food. Um, and then you know, especially on a nice uh, summer day, uh, they got a little like alley uh, there, uh, Green Street Smoke Meats. So get some you know, Austin Texas style barbecue. Uh, sit on the patio or, or like on the alley area outside. Um, yeah, you know, again, you don't really need reservations, I guess. Uh, you know, you kind of just go and then, you know, just uh, peruse around, just like, grab a bench when you can. Uh, but yeah, I, I love it like that. Uh, you know, good food. Uh, yeah, don't need a reservation. You kind of just walk there. Um, and then, you know, off to the next thing, grab some, grab a beer somewhere or yeah, grab some awesome, nice desserts uh, from, you know, the best spots, uh, you know, in the U.S. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's my vibe for sure. I just like going that area. I can't, I've, I've been asked like Wayne, if you had enough money and all that fun stuff, would you live there? I'm like, no. Cause I feel like I would just be a complete fat ass if I lived there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think isn't Oshaval like right around the block from yeah, yeah that whole area. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. no, it's, yeah. it's a fun area for sure. Like I feel like I've definitely been to green street and then uh, went to like punch bowl social, which is obviously a chain, but still kind of a fun time to like, go play some games, have some drinks or whatever. But uh, yeah, man, that was, that was good. That was good feedback. Um, yeah. I just feel like there's so many different pockets that I've kind of enjoyed a lot about DC, but also, you know, remembering back to Chicago too, where it's just like, you could just kind of spend your entire day in that, in that little neighborhood and just, you know, have a day of it, just jump around and like try a bunch of great food. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I guess another one would be like, yeah, Chicago's Chinatown too. Um, or yeah, even, uh, Seattle, uh, yeah, the Columbia City area. There's there's some pretty good spots. There's like one strip. I just you know I like to go to um, Coffee Holic there uh, around Seward Park, and then go to Seward Park. Uh, but then there used to be like a Hawaiian place there. It, there still is, but it, it's I think it's new ownership. But um, I used to get Coffee Holic, bring it over to uh, the the Hawaiian place, uh, grab uh, brunch there. Uh, and then, you know, there was also, you know, grab more coffee and then uh, walk around to, you know, there's like some flower shops, some other like 
you know, pubs and stuff like that, uh, or, you know, go to sewer park and walk around there too, to, you know, block off all the pounds or, or all the calories, I guess, in consuming there. So, um, that's another area too there, but yeah, I love just, you know, finding a nice neighborhood that has a good vibe, you know, eating some good grub, drinking some good drink and then, yeah, having a nice suite and then, you know, getting my steps in too. So, yeah. <laughs> well, good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, love food, love, love going out and making a day of it too when I, when I can, but, uh, no, I think that's a pretty good rundown from food, um, all the way through baseball, uh, here on the ball and breakfast podcast. Um, if you're with us, um, on online here on YouTube, please, you know, give us a like, a subscribe, write us a comment on what you think will happen here in the MLB this year, whether it's team specific or player specific, um, reviews are always, you know, welcome on Google and, uh, Apple podcasts as well. And, on Instagram, you can always follow and uh, see our stories and posts on a daily basis. So, um, Wayne, uh, with that, let's close the book here on on the MLB, and we'll obviously have coverage throughout the season. But uh, you know, thanks for joining us.